Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Biden's pitch. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Dom Savino. In for Jennifer Koshenka on this Friday, October 20th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. President Biden argues Israel and Ukraine deserve U.S. aid because both face annihilation by tyrants and terrorists. Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio will try for a third time later today to secure enough votes to become the next House Speaker. Former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell has accepted a plea deal in the election interference case in Georgia, where she'll testify against the former president. And you can still reach an airline representative in a pinch, but social media is usually the best approach. Airlines do spend a lot of time thinking about the places and analyzing the places that their customers are trying to get in touch with them. But the executives who I spoke to basically all said that for now, People are still using X slash Twitter in that way. Zach Wichter at USA Today on why platforms like X can be effective in getting help from an airline. President Biden is urging Americans to stand with Ukraine and Israel, trying to make the case that Washington's leadership and your taxpayer dollars for both countries is essential. He spoke to the nation from the Oval Office last night. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. The Wall Street Journal says the president today is expected to send to Congress a supplemental funding request for roughly $100 billion, though the Republican-led House remains without a speaker to guide the legislation. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. The request is expected to include at least $10 billion for Israel and roughly $60 billion in assistance for Ukraine, countries in the Indo-Pacific region, and border security. Mr. Biden already announced $100 million in aid for the people of Gaza and the West Bank during his one-day trip to Tel Aviv two days ago. The votes are still not there. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, the Republican nominee for Speaker of the House, will try again to win the 217 votes necessary to claim the gavel. It'll be the third vote later today after a plan to temporarily put caretaker Speaker Patrick McHenry of North Carolina in charge of the House ran into objections from conservatives like Chip Roy from Texas. I think that would be a dangerous path to go down, a slippery slope. I believe we have a duty under the Constitution, as is laid out, to choose the Speaker. Mr. Jordan's attempt for a third vote yesterday collapsed as the conservative met continued resistance from his opponents during a meeting in a House office. I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race, but I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me. Rank-and-file GOP lawmakers this week have been losing patience with Mr. Jordan's efforts to continue his campaign for speaker after losses on two consecutive ballots. Republicans have tried for more than two weeks to fill the vacancy created with the ouster of former speaker Kevin McCarthy. The speakership battle in the House is putting swing district Republicans in a politically dire position as the chaos engulfing the lower chamber shows no signs of abating. More from Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Julia, what are you seeing? Yeah, so essentially in these two votes that Jim Jordan has tried to get a majority of the Republican conference, he's 
failed. And a lot of these Republicans who have voted against him have essentially done so because Jim Jordan could be politically toxic to their own districts. A lot of these Republicans are moderate Republicans, for example, like a Mike Lawler from New York and Anthony D. Esposito from New York. Um, there's a concern that he could absolutely be, uh, you know, taken very negatively by voters in the district. And Democrats have signaled that they will absolutely um, move to tie a lot of these vulnerable Republicans to Jordan. So it's put them in a very difficult spot. Now, we do know that Mark Molinaro, another Republican from uh, uh, New York who's also vulnerable, he has supported this idea of giving McHenry, Patrick McHenry, uh, temporary powers. That seems like that since I've written this story, Jordan has hopped on to that as well. So right now, I think a lot of Republicans feel that they really just need to get their act together on this issue of speaker because we're at a time when there's just so much going on in the Middle East. We have President Biden introducing this aid package, a potential government shutdown next month. Um, you know, so the pressure is really on. All right. So you, you touched on it a little bit um, in terms of opposition to Mr. Jordan here, I, I think it was Ken Buck of Colorado who just did not like, I think, that Mr. Jordan still believes that the election was stolen from President Trump in 2020. Is that part of this? You know, I think the um, yeah, his his pushback against the 2022 uh, 2020 election results three years ago um, definitely has something to do with that. And it's, you know, Democrats will also uh, plan on bringing that up against some of these Republicans and using it to attack Jordan. Jordan is someone who is very, very conservative. He's not necessarily a mainstream Republican the same way that some of these other Republicans are. He also hasn't really taken the time to build relationships like a Kevin McCarthy, a Paul Ryan, John mm. Boehner, Nancy Pelosi will have done. Um, and that sort of resulted in this these tensions between him and his team and lawmakers um, and essentially trying to strong arm them to supporting him. Wow. We're speaking with Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Her story is called Vulnerable Republicans Face Lose-Lose Situation with Speaker Race. Um, is this a thing for enough voters? I know it's a thing for some. Is it enough is it a thing for enough voters, I guess, to make a difference come election time more than a year from now? You know, I guess we don't really know at this point. I think voters understand that there is something going on in Washington, um, but I don't think they're as aware of the inside baseball implications of it. I think what Democrats could be able to do to make that connection is say, government's not running properly and that's because of the you know republicans in disarray so you know a lot can happen between now and a year a lot of it depends on the legislation that's passed but you know this very well could affect them in the election why did more republicans defect in round two of voting against mr jordan you know i think there's uh questions about the tactics he was using to um you know get more Republicans on his side. There were talks about, you know, strong arming and aggressive tax tactics. We know that Marriott Miller Meeks, who originally voted for him, but then changed her vote against him. She said she received death threats, not obviously not from Jordan himself, but, you know, from outside. Um, so that's, I think, definitely his his strategy. And throughout all of this, I think, has turned out Republicans. Yeah. You said the, the stakes here in this particular speakership battle 
are much higher. Explain. You know, there's just so much happening on the global stage right now. You have the war between Russia and Ukraine, the war between Israel and Hamas. Um, you have a looming government shutdown. There are certain things that Congress can only do, and that's power of the purse. So in terms of avoiding a government shutdown and authorizing aid, this falls under their um, umbrella. Thanks, Julia. Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Hey, glad you're with us and welcome into Friday. The Army private who crossed the border into North Korea before being returned to the U.S. in September has been charged with desertion. 23-year-old Travis King, who was detained for two months, also faces seven additional charges, including possessing child pornography and multiple assaults. Here's this morning's Mike Gavin. Mr. King, a private second class, entered North Korea on foot on July 18th when he reportedly sprinted away from a tour group into the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Reports say the incident happened after he had completed about two months in a South Korean detention facility following a physical altercation with locals. A U.S. official says during that time he made comments that he did not want to come back to America. He has not publicly explained why he fled. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Mr. King has been assigned to JAG officers as counsel, and he will also be represented by attorneys Sherilyn Bunn and Joshua Grumbaugh and Professor Franklin D. Rosenblatt. 19 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Dom Savino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel's military continued to bombard Gaza overnight, claiming airstrikes on what the IDF calls more than 100 Hamas targets. It comes as Israel evacuates a large town near its border with Lebanon, the latest sign of a potential ground invasion of Gaza. IDF spokesperson Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht on ABC. We're going to have to destroy Hamas. We don't have a, it's an obligation. We, don't, we can't have this happen again. Yesterday, Israel's defense minister told troops gathered near the border they will, quote, soon see Gaza from the inside. Number two. Meanwhile, there are concerns the humanitarian situation in Gaza is devolving as supplies for civilians remain stuck in Egypt. The first convoy of aid was scheduled to arrive today, but authorities now say the only road linking Egypt and Gaza needs to be repaired before trucks can make the deliveries. Gaza's entire population has been cut off from electricity, food, fuel, and water for more than a week. Number three. The Federal Reserve's historic pace of interest rate hikes may be on hold. That's after Fed Chair Jerome Powell said yesterday he's pleased with recent data showing ongoing progress in the fight to cool inflation. The economy is, is handling much higher rates, at least for now, without difficulty. So notionally, that, that might tell you that, that the neutral rate has risen, or it may just tell you that we haven't had rates high enough for long enough. Overnight, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note rose above 5% for the first time since 2007. Seismologists at the Cal Berkeley Earthquake Lab are apologizing after giving some Californians a rude awakening yesterday. A test of the lab's earthquake early warning system came through seven hours ahead of schedule Thursday, jolting some Bay Area residents awake at 3.19 in the morning. The alert was supposed to buzz smartphones at 10.19 a.m. The lab says the test was set for the wrong time zone. And the Jacksonville Jaguars remain one of the hottest teams in the NFL. 
knocking off New Orleans last night 31-24. The Saints did have a chance to equalize in the final minute. Instead, this. Car. To the end zone, off the fingertips of Moreau. The call from Al Michaels on Prime Video as Saints tight end Foster Moreau had the potential game-tying touchdown slip through his hands in the back of the end zone. New Orleans is now 3-4. and four. Well, All right, thank you, Dom. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm fresh ingredients, you're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50 Gordon. Thanks for joining us. For airlines, social media remains a good way to get in touch, despite how platforms like Facebook and X have evolved. Why does it work and what's the best approach if you need help? Here's Zach Wichter, travel writer at USA Today. Zach, what have you found? I mean, let's be honest, right? Social media has kind of changed in real time over the past couple months as Twitter kind of evolved to X. The way that people are using it uh, in their daily lives is different. And so that got me thinking, you know, I have used Twitter, now X, many times to reach out to airlines for customer service. And I wanted to talk to some of the airlines and see if they're seeing any differences. People use the platform differently if it's affecting how they use it for that purpose. And what I actually found is airlines do spend a lot of time thinking about the places and analyzing the places that their customers are trying to get in touch with them. But the executives who I spoke to basically all said that for now, People are still using X slash Twitter in that way. And so it still is a good way to get in touch with airlines. uh, And they're still staffing it at kind of the same volume. They're seeing the same number of posts kind of day to day that they did before it became X. uh, And they're still uh, keeping that capability to help you out on X that they had a couple months ago and it was still Twitter. So all this thinking that airlines are doing about us as customers, uh, is that helping us get in contact with them? say, on social media or through an app when we need them. Yeah, exactly. So airlines spend a lot of time kind of analyzing all of the different platforms that their traffic comes on. Uh, And one of the Southwest uh, executives who I spoke to told me that they really try to tailor staffing on different platforms to the sort of volume that they predict that people will be reaching out to them on that platform with. And so... You know, like, let's say people start switching from X to Threads, which is Meta's new competitor to what used to be Twitter. Um, They said that they're, you know, analyzing where people are coming from and they are trying to stay nimble and preparing to shift to other platforms if people start changing their kind of behaviors online. But definitely something that all of the airlines that I spoke to emphasized is their apps, their kind of native resources, so the apps, the websites are uh, products that they invest a lot of time and effort into making as user-friendly as possible. Uh, And increasingly, airlines are adding self-help tools on their apps and their websites. Uh, And 
they told me basically that as these tools become more robust and as people get more familiar with them, they're actually seeing fewer requests for customer service on other platforms mm -hmm. because people are able to help themselves more within the apps and then also get in touch with airlines directly through chat features in okay. their own apps. We're speaking with Zach Wichter, travel columnist at USA Today. His piece is called, You Can Still Get Airline Customer Service Here, a reference to social media. What's the best approach? Should you be nice or should you like walk into the store and start breaking things to get attention? <laughs> no, definitely always be nice. I mean, listen, especially when something is going wrong, the customer service agents at airlines are going to be dealing with a lot. Um, and they all want to help you, but sometimes their hands are tied. You know, they have a finite number of flights. If your flight gets canceled and there's bad weather in your area and hundreds of flights have gotten canceled, they're going to be limited in how much they can really do to help you in the next, say, four or five hours, something like that. And so always be nice. You know, kindness goes a long way. They're going to do whatever they can to help you either way, but I'm sure that on their end, they will be a little more willing to explore creative alternatives if you come to them and aren't screaming and shouting and trying to burn the place down. Thanks, Zach. Zach Wichter, travel columnist at USA Today. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-age mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday, October 20th. Gordon Deal with Dom Savino in for Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. President Biden makes a case for giving aid to Israel and Ukraine. Jim Jordan will try again today to become House Speaker. CVS reportedly no longer selling some common decongestants after regulators found an ingredient doesn't work. Trucks with aid still waiting for the OK to deliver basic necessities to Gazans. Home sales fell last month to the lowest rate since 2010. Jaguars over the Saints in Thursday night football and the Mississippi high school kid swimming in scholarships. And it's only October. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Dell Technologies has a gift for everyone on your list with top tech powered by the latest Intel core processors. Get a jump on your holiday shopping at Dell.com slash gift guide. The Biden administration's agreement with Cotter to temporarily withhold $6 billion in Iranian oil assets has failed to quell bipartisan calls for more forceful action against the Islamic Republic. It's a story by Ramsey Touchberry, Capitol Hill reporter at The Washington Times. Ramsey set this up. Yeah, so uh, your listeners might remember last week uh, the administration put what amounted to uh, a temporary hold on this $6 billion in Iranian oil assets. 
that the administration originally agreed back in September to uh, release as part of a uh, prisoner swap. Um, so we now have that temporary hold in place amid the Israel-Hamas war um, because of you know Iran's propping up of terror groups like Hamas. Um, but that temporary freeze is is not enough for folks on both sides of the aisle. Uh, Republicans are really calling on it to be a permanent freeze. They're trying to push legislation for it. They would even like to see in a Israeli aid package that legislation be included to permanently freeze these funds. Um, there are also some Democrats who are saying that the administration needs to take some additional steps to you know, further intensify um, pressure on Iran to not back such groups or even you know, not get involved and stay out of it. All right. So uh, part of those additional steps you said would be to, to counter Iran. How so? What, what might that include besides, say, freezing the money? Right. Yeah. So there's uh, a couple different options. Um, there was a bipartisan group yesterday that uh, said they want to take all necessary steps to cut off Iranian funding. Um, so that would include maximum enforcement of U.S. sanctions, um, ending Iran's oil trade with China, urging other allies in Europe uh, to renew snapback sanctions on Iran, uh, and even pressuring Qatar and Turkey to stop supporting Hamas. Um, uh, your, your viewers may have heard that you know, leaders of Hamas are hiding out in other countries in the Middle East. Um, and, and Qatar is actually involved in this whole thing because they're the ones holding um, the funds for uh, those Iranian oil assets. Um, you know, they're in a sort of quiet agreement, as it's been described, with the U.S. to not release those funds to Iran. We're speaking with Ramsey Touchberry, Capitol Hill reporter at The Washington Times. His piece is called Biden Fails to Satisfy Critics of $6 billion Iran Deal. Uh, Senate Democrats here explain some of the politics in terms of, uh, you know, maybe a, a permanent freeze on this money. Yeah, there's been probably just under a dozen who have come out and said, uh, you know, this this six billion uh, in what the administration says was earmarked for humanitarian aid for Iran needs to just not flat out be released at all. Um, they were sort of the first Democrats to to break and say this, and many of those Senate Democrats who said this um, are actually up for re-election next year in competitive states, uh, and so you know it, it underscores the sort of um, politics at play, domestic politics at play here. For a you know issue that uh, is breaking out overseas, boy, I guess it could mean uh, I don't know. Would would Iran try to snatch another handful of hostages and bring them up on some bogus charges? I uh, as as if we had reneged on our deal. And there's certainly some concern um, from allies of the administration, from Democrats up here on the Hill, who you know say that reneging on this deal could not only maybe result in retaliatory measures, but maybe for future diplomatic negotiations, it could be impacted. Um, and so, you know, there's, it, it's just a very fluid situation that, you know, it's easy for lawmakers up here for any one or two, or, you know, even a group of them to say their stated position, but it's a, it, you know, an entirely different situation for the administration, which, you know, whatever move it takes, whatever it does, it, you know, the, the U.S. is being watched so closely in all of this, you know, it could have great repercussions, you know, much more broadly outside the Middle East as well. Uh, you quoted in your story uh, Senator Jackie Rosen, the Democrat from Nevada, who said the U.S. should see how events unfold in the Middle East before taking further action with the funds. What, is, what does she mean or what does she want? 
Yeah, and actually, um, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia made a similar point. Basically, what um, those folks are saying are, while the administration has a temporarily on hold, let's not pass legislation to freeze it permanently, because maybe there is an opportunity in the future to release it, as was originally intended, as humanitarian aid to Iran, or maybe uh, re-diverting it to, say, help with Israel or um, humanitarian assistance for uh, civilians on both sides of this Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, so they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, pushing for a wait-and-see moment and not to take any concrete action uh, too quickly. Thanks, Ramsey. Ramsey Touchberry, Capitol Hill reporter at The Washington Times. In a related note, the Pentagon says the USS Kearney, a Navy-guided missile destroyer in the Northern Red Sea, shot down multiple missiles and drones launched by Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, that were potentially headed toward targets in Israel. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we're on the doorstep of another weekend, which means if you're lucky, a beer or two may be in your near future. And while that might sound very appealing on a Friday, what if you were forced to average 10 beers a day for 200 straight days? That's the challenge one British man named John May set for himself. And today he's finally coming to the end of his 2000 pints in 200 days challenge. John's been posting about his drinking journey on TikTok, saying he decided to take on the challenge after seeing someone else down 1,000 pints in a year and knew he could stomach a lot more than that. John has nine pints to put away today to complete the challenge. Along the way, he's been keeping track of the stats, calculating he's ingested a whopping 361,998 calories and spent over $9,600 on the beer. Commenters have been more than impressed with John's feet, with some calling him the greatest athlete of our generation (laughs) and suggesting he should be knighted by the king, though others did have some concerns for his long-term health. Ten beers... A day a for day. 200 straight days. Now that's the average. So you have a bad day. I don't know. You get sick. You don't feel well one day. Maybe you only oh, have man. five. Right, maybe you right. only have one or two. <laughs> then you got to make up for right. that later in the week. You could yeah. be up to a dozen or more right. per day before you know it. Got to round up the case. I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine at you know at this age. I mean, I, I saw the video. He looks a little younger than us. I mean, okay. maybe in his 30s. I mean, I can't imagine at the age that I'm at now even attempting to do 10 in nah. a day period. End, no. end of story. Never mind 200 days uh, in a row. I couldn't do 10 over three days. I just, <laughs> this is not, not my thing. Yeah, yeah. Speak, uh, speaking of booze, by the way, so, yeah. so this weekend um, at my daughter's college, the College of New Jersey, yeah. it is uh, like homecoming weekend. School is welcome everybody back. Football game. She's dancing at the game. My mom has flown in from wow. South Carolina. Big festivities. We're planning tailgating and the whole bit at the school. Should be fun. I've been making ice cubes for my bourbon all week. We're debating <laughs> on what kind of sandwiches and food to have. Uh, other families bringing the canopy for us in case it rains. And then I see this note on the College of New Jersey website, which says, We can't wait to help, uh, welcome you home. Alumni Homecoming Fest has it all. Every lot, wow. uh, kids' activities, everything. That's great. And then at the very end, it says, please note that outside alcohol, grills, and tailgate parties are not permitted. Buzzkill. What? <laughs> what just happened my whole what, weekend? What is going on? I, You've been planning this for you, weeks? Yeah. Come to the College of New Jersey. Please don't have fun on Alumni Weekend. I mean, is this like a, the only college I, in the country that, that would do something like this? I don't know what happened here. Oh, my gosh. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm what, so, so what's the alternative plan? I don't, uh, sit in the car, 
turn the heat on since it's going to be like 50 and raining. Yeah. And eat sandwiches in silence. <laughs> I, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, yeah. I, 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 pass, pass me a beer or I, pass, I, pass me a bourbon, Ma. Yeah. Can I have a Coke? <laughs> can I have some extra water, please? I, 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 I don't understand. Weekend is shot now. Thanks, Mike. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Clutch could be with us. Welcome into Friday. Could a craving for salty chips actually be a sign of addiction? Researchers from the University of Michigan found that 14% of adults and 12% of children showed signs of addiction to ultra-processed foods, according to the Yale Food Addiction Scale. That's close to the addiction level seen for alcohol and tobacco. The study article was published in the journal BMJ. Ultra-processed foods are those that are high in carbohydrates and fats like candy, ice cream, potato chips. The study suggested that some people's consumption of these foods may meet the criteria for substance abuse disorder resulting in the biopsychological mechanisms of addiction and clinically significant problems. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Dom Savino. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan will make a new push to become House Speaker. Jordan's office says a third floor vote is coming today. In the first two votes this week, Jordan fell short of the 217 votes needed to win the gavel. The development was revealed yesterday, just hours after Republicans publicly proposed to temporarily empower the acting House Speaker, Patrick McHenry. There are ways to empower the Speaker Pro Tem that suffice for the House rules and for the Constitution. And it's been done before. Majordan is believed to have lost support compared to the first two votes amid pushback from rank-and-file Republicans. Number two. President Biden addressed the nation from the White House last night, asking for billions of dollars to support Israel and Ukraine as they defend themselves. I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Biden's speech reflects a broad view of U.S. obligations overseas at a time when he faces political resistance at home and a gridlocked Congress. Number three. A former lawyer for former President Donald Trump has accepted a plea deal in Georgia's election interference case. Sidney Powell pleaded guilty to six misdemeanors, accusing her of plotting to intentionally interfere with the state's 2020 election. As part of the deal, Powell has agreed to testify against her co-defendants in the case, including Trump himself. Several of the most common cold medicines and decongestants are being pulled from shelves at CVS. The drugstore chain says it will no longer sell products whose only active ingredient is phenylephrine. That's after a panel of U.S. health regulators determined the ingredient doesn't work. The products being pulled include Sudafed PE and certain kinds of Benadryl. The Hollywood actor strike is into its fourth month, and the latest proposal to break the deadlock comes from A-listers. A group led by George Clooney and Scarlett Johansson has reportedly suggested the union remove its cap on dues, calling for A-listers to pay more. But Variety reports the proposal isn't going to jumpstart negotiations, with one source saying a meeting with union leaders, quote, didn't go well. Mm. So I'm just thinking of the timing of this and how sort of 
welcome it is right now. Yeah. College and NFL season, NHL underway, NBA underway, baseball playoffs, English soccer. Like, got to find I'm not missing like the writers that much. You will at some point. Plenty of other programming right now. (laughs) Thanks, Dom. Thanks for being with us. It's only two months into the school year, but high school senior Dana Bolden has already received $1.4 million in college scholarships. ABC News says the 17-year-old from Jim Hill High School in Jackson, Mississippi, began considering which colleges and scholarships to apply to over the summer, then kick-started it in August. She's a clarinetist in the Jim Hill High School marching band and an active speech, debate, and student government member. She said her dream school is Duke University, and she hopes to major in biology and pursue a medical career as a trauma surgeon. That'll do it for this hour. For Dom Savino and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.